know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening. Welcome to this tape-delayed edition of Spooky South Coast, coming to you live. Wrap your head around that one. Hey, that's the number one most requested podcast theme on iTunes right now, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> the Spooky South Coast theme music. Who's the guy you ripped that off from? I mean, who <laughs> let us borrow that for the uh, uh, RJD2. RJ. <laughs> Every time you say that, I'm going to laugh. That's awesome. Uh, he must Wookie. be. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to the Wookiee hole later. That comes later on the show. It's going to be a recurring theme now. Welcome to Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. And we're just starting a little bit later than usual. Thanks, Red Sox. Next week, we're going to be starting on time, though, so keep that in mind, guys. we gotta, we got to be here on time. We've got a, an earlier Sox game, and they're playing the Yankees, and we're going to have a big show if everything works out according to plan. So make sure you're here on time. Not like this week, we slacked. <laughs> Went to the video store down the street. Anyway... We're going to talk tonight uh, about all things paranormal. We have sitting in with us, or standing in with us, as the case may be, Jeff Belanger. You know him from his many books and from ghostvillage.com and, and ghost adventures and all kinds of things that you're always working on. And, and the newest the newest venture is uh, 30 Odd Minutes. Why don't you tell everybody about that in case they haven't had a chance to – because we've been talking about it. Uh, and we've been trying to get people you know, to, to call into our show and, and say that uh, they like yours better. No, I appreciate that. Well, thanks for having me back here, guys. It's been a while. You know, I was doing this monthly, and we we kind of I fell out of the habit. No, you're too popular. That's the thing. Yeah, you got to travel all around, do all these different gigs, and you know, we pay very weakly. Right, that's true. And uh, no, but it's uh, it's good to be back. And and honestly, I I want to tell you, I've been doing some events, and people come up to me regularly, and they're just like, I love when you're on Spooky South Coast. And so uh, I did want to get back here. And, the uh, door is always open. I know. I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll make this more regular, definitely. But, yeah, so it started 30-odd minutes. Uh, Mr. Matt Moniz uh, helping out also. It's a, it's a weekly show. It's a, it's a TV show. Isn't that neat? And it's it's but it's more than a TV show. I mean, well, it's, it's it's a live interactive. It's very interactive. It showcases all the different technologies that are available to you. Here's what happened. I, I mean, I've I've had this idea for a while, but but finally the technology caught up thanks to Skype. Um, you know, we we can now have guests from all over the world, and we can see them, we can hear them, we can show clips, we can show videos, photos, we can talk about the evidence a little more in depth. It's visual, uh, and we can have a little fun with it too. So that's kind of the point. And and the good thing about it, too, is a lot of these people in the paranormal field are realizing, oh, wait a minute, that little circle at the top of my laptop, that's a webcam. Yeah, right, yeah. Now, there's, you know, the technology is getting better all the time, but you still have to use it well. I mean, remember remember when websites started and everybody was making their logos on fire? And, mm-hmm. you know, you can overdo it for oh, sure, but we should I still have it. the uh, the little email idea. icon with the uh, mailbox that opens up and yeah. the little letter pops Isn't out. Isn't that slick? <laughs> That's This <laughs> Internet's going to be big, I'm telling you. It's going to catch on. The interweb. The interweb. But, you know, we, we've been talking about 30-odd minutes, and, and people have been talking to me about it, and they've been saying, you know, where can I see 30-odd minutes? Well, actually, we're growing. Well, you can go to the website, 30oddminutes.com. Um, you can you can see our previous episodes there. Uh, we're getting played on multiple cable systems, adding all the time. You can watch the live stream on on the website. Um, so yeah, check it out. Thirtyoddminutes.com. And uh, I know that uh, in in the course of you know television growing and expanding, more and more cable systems are are going with town only 
uh, owned cable systems instead of having these ones that are owned by Comcast or Verizon. Right. And as it becomes owned by the town, it becomes a lot easier to get programming on there because you just need somebody from the town to sponsor it. Right. And so, so uh, it's I'm growing. sure, yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll be huge. Where am we're uh, looking at Drake? It's coming on, so we're just going to add it. Whoever wants it, we're, we're, you know. Here's the thing: it, it, this is what's been so much fun about this because, like, when I started GhostVillage.com ten years ago, uh, it wasn't about making money. It wasn't about anything other than I've got a lot of stuff that I want to learn and know about, and I want to put it out there for everybody. Uh, doing this show, there's no money in it, none, uh, you know, zero. There this can't is, be. There it's can't cable. be. That's yeah. right. It's cable. cable there access. can't be any money. And so the whole idea is it's just it's for the love of it again. And it's just a great group of people getting together and saying, let's learn about this stuff. Let's have fun with it. You can't be scheming going, well, oh, if we could sell commercials. We can't. We have no – it's not – if someone came to us and said, here's a big bag of money, we can't even take it. It, and the funny thing is, you have to actually watch what you say because if you drop the name of something that's an actual, you know, licensed product or whatever, yeah, say, right. Let me take a drink of my Coke. Yeah, right. Uh, and that show doesn't make it to air. Yeah, yeah. But that's no, the good it, thing about doing it live, though, is at least you can sneak it by. And it's live. It's so much fun. There's, there's an, you know, I mean, hey, I think we're live now, aren't we? We are. Uh, well, we're live. And so, so the whole, for some people, for some people, but the whole idea is that you know, you, you, when when it's when it's counting down three, two, one, and there's an energy that you just can't you can't get when you record something, uh, knowing that you got to get through it. You know, 30 minutes. Here we go. And, and in the terms of cable access, I can tell you, at least in my experience, it is very strict on the time because there's no commercial breaks. There's no. It's you've got to sit there and go straight forward, start to finish. Even if you did tape it. They still don't want to re- really sit around and do takes. No, I know. And, and well, if you've seen the show, then you know we make mistakes, <laughs> and, and they're all out there. And you know, we're just trying to make you know a dozen or so less each time, and uh, and we get a little better. But we're having a good time, and, and that's the most important it's, it's, thing. And it's definitely worth thirty odd minutes of your time each week. And now it's on iTunes, so people can get yep. it right that way as Download well. Download on iTunes, and we'll we'll keep uh, spreading that around. And just a... pop it on your iPod, on your iPhone, take it with you. Yeah. Thanks. Don't watch it in the car though, because no, you're no. supposed to be driving. No, watch it in the car. And then call us. Call call in. Email us. If the girl who was texting and almost took us out on the way here happens to be listening, uh, you know, you can Twitter with us. Whatever, whatever you were doing in the car. Is it me or these social networking sites, man? I, I, people are like, oh, are you on Twitter? Are you here? Are you there? How, how do I don't know how some human beings keep up with this. The smartest person is the person that creates the one service that's going to let you type one thing in and stick it out to all the yeah, other like services. Yeah, like an aggregator. That's I mean, because yeah. I, I know some people that are, you know, they, they use these sites for commercial reasons. I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm just as guilty. You know, you hey, I plugged tonight. I'm like, I'm going to be on, you know, a Spooky South Coast. Come come listen. You, know, you post that on MySpace or whatever. But you're like, man, this is a whole other job just to keep up with all these mm-hmm. things. That's why you need a company like Power Relations. <laughs> uh, they can wow. help you with that. PowerRelations.com for all your paranormal PR needs. Excellent. All right. Well, and before we get into our topic of the night, which will be uh, Lizzie Borden with our guest Jill Dalton, who actually is probably closer to Lizzie Borden than any of the rest of us have ever been. But before we get into that discussion, uh, there is something, Jeff, that you want to bring up a little bit later on in the program. And let's throw it out there now so we can get people's wheels turning. Right. Fair enough. So I got a phone call from Richard Felix from Most Haunted, who will be on your show soon, right? Uh, within a, Is it next well, I week? I believe next week. Next week, We're yes. still working on finalizing it. Okay, but, it be but he'll week. be on soon. Richard Felix from the Most Haunted show over in England. 
And he called me. He's working on a new book, and it's uh, it, it's got to be done by Monday. All the material has to be in. And he, he wanted me to make a contribution. He's like, just a paragraph. I, I just want you to answer one question. You can just do a paragraph. I said, oh, what's the question? He said, what is a ghost? And I said, oh, my God. I'm like, <laughs> just a paragraph. I, I said, Richard, I don't think I can do that in just a book. I don't think I could answer that question. But then I started thinking about it, and I said, well, I have to, he's like, you know, you could take a page, two pages or whatever. But I started thinking about it, and I said, you know, we could have some fun with this because – there are so many theories out there. And so one of the things I wanted to throw out is, while we're on the show, let's work on this. I got my laptop here. I'm ready to knock this sucker out because it's got to be to him by, like, before midnight tomorrow night. So uh, listeners, I'm hoping they can call in a little bit later and, and weigh in on what they think is a ghost. And then I can write that down and get out of this real easy without there doing a lot of work, <laughs> which is the whole idea. And you can, if you want to email them to us, uh, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And we can forward them right on to Jeff, or we can read them on the air. What is a ghost? What is a ghost? And we'll we'll take the calls a little bit later on, and uh, we'll we'll kick around because I know I've got my own opinions, and they're probably different than what other people out there and might think. And they're probably wrong, of unless course. unless they're mine. My opinions are always wrong. Unless I agree, and then they're not. But wrong. I, I actually get paid to make them about certain topics. Sweet. So <laughs> I got you all fooled, don't I? How do we get in on that? All right. Well, why don't we go right into things with our guest, Jill Dalton. Now, we, we talked about Jill before in her show, Lizzie Borden Live, and we mentioned it uh, in the past, and we were going to have her on uh, about a month or so ago, uh, but what ended up happening is, is you know, as usual, the Red Sox go too late, there's a rain delay or whatever, and we end up not getting on the air. At least tonight, albeit an hour late, we did get on the air, <laughs> and Jill joins us now. Good evening, Jill. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Tim? Oh, we're spooktacular, as we say here. Oh, good. I like that. Now, Hi, Jill. Hey, we, Jeff. How are you? And Jeff, I'm very good. We we didn't have the chance to bring Jeff on last time uh, when when we were going to have you on, Jill, because he's you know he's a busy guy. But this time around, we've got him here. And Jeff is actually uh, from the episode of Monster Quest that we did at the Lizzie Borden house. And, oh. And he's been there numerous times with us when it's been just like the three or four of us in there. So he's seen some stuff that uh, other investigators might not have. And shameless plug, I, I wrote about the Lizzie Borden case in the in my book Weird Massachusetts. Yeah. Among other places. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So uh, we we've definitely got the uh, the people here who have experienced the paranormal side of things with Lizzie Borden. But Jill, you've done a lot of research. Jill, you... listen, wait. Let me just cut in here right away. <laughs> okay. First, okay. I got to ask you. You know, straight up. Let's get this out of the way. Where were you August fourth, eighteen ninety? Come on. Uh, let me see. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Suspect. I yeah, was uh, in uh, Germany, I think. Uh-huh. You sure? Can, uh-huh. can someone vouch for you? <laughs> uh, my parents, but they're both dead. So All right. Well, we have another suspect, clearly. Yep. Okay. You're added to the list now. <laughs> but you've spent a lot of time researching the case and researching Lizzie as a person in order to portray her in Lizzie Borden Live, and I think... Out of all the discussion that we've done over Lizzie Borden here on the show in the last almost four years, that's kind of what's been missing. We've kind of lost sight of her as a person and as more than just this alleged murderess and this supposed ghost. Well, that's exactly. I mean, that's what I figured out when I when I was um, com- I was actually commissioned to write this play. I had never thought ever of writing a play about Lizzie Borden, and I certainly never thought of myself that way you know that i would <laughs> that i would be paying playing such a notorious woman but so when i was asked to to write this play if i'd be interested i was like no because i don't all i knew was 
you know, the nursery rhyme, and I assumed that she was guilty and that she was, um, uh, well, I thought she'd been hung or, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know any of the facts, and so I, I just started reading about her and researching her, and um, I got really good energy, and I st- she started sort of speaking to me, and when I would hear what she would, I would just listen, and then I would, like, go to my computer and write down what she said, and it was very stream of consciousness, and then I found the entire trial on um, line. It had been put on recently by um, Stephanie Corey. I'm sure you know her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had put it on her website, and I, I, it's like 1,700 pages. And, I mean, I actually read the whole thing, which was quite an adventure in and of itself. Um, but when I would read all these books about her and everything that's been written about her, so I, just, I would just get mad. I felt a lot of it was just bogus. And so I just tried to go to first... Um, just just first-hand, uh, you know, accounts like the trial, like the inquest, like um, any records that I could find about, you know, the homes that she lived in, and um, yeah, and I and then I actually that's when I first went to 92 Second Street, and then I went to Maplecroft, and um, actually. Uh, got inside there as well, and that gave me a lot of insight into Lizzie and who she was. And I got really, um, I, I, I just felt that she was a really strong presence and that she was a woman who was ahead of her time, and she was an intelligent woman who was stuck in a point in time where women really had very few options. And, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't know if she killed them or if she didn't. When I first started writing it, um, I, I don't know. The more I play her, the more innocent she becomes. But that's because it's me, you know, playing her. And so, well, I, I think too a lot of the way that we look at her now is kind of reflecting back under the microscope of assuming she's guilty, yes. or, or assuming that she at least played a role in what happened. So when we look back, we're kind of shaping her personality to fit what we think she eventually became on August fourth, eighteen ninety-two. I think that's really true, and I I didn't want to um, start out with the with the idea that she was guilty. I wanted her to speak to me and see what what came to me, and um, I I didn't feel any negative or bad energy, and so I I I said, you know, yeah, I'll write this piece. I I found it fascinating. I found her fascinating. I thought the story was fascinating. It's an unsolved mystery, so of course people are. You know, that's why it lives on today. It's, it's, um, you know, there was, everything was botched. I mean, the, the police did not do a good job. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of the Ramsey case because immediately they, you know, they don't find any suspects. And so they say, oh, obviously the parents did it. So let's just say the parents did it. Let's say they're guilty. Let's make them guilty. We can't prove it. But, and, the poor woman dies of cancer, and then they, you know, have the DNA testing, and they go, oops, well, okay, they're not guilty. But, you know, it's like everybody wants to find a killer, and if they can't find one, they're just going to make one up. Mm-hmm. And thank God we have DNA testing today, so we can actually, you know, use that as long as people don't mess up evidence, or if there is DNA stuff that you can get. But, um yeah, I find it a really fascinating story, and I think she's a really intelligent, 
interesting woman, and I um, I really enjoyed playing her a, a lot. And I never thought I would. I was like, oh dear, this is going to be, you know, she's not like me. I'm not like that. I'm not angry like that. You know. What I mean? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you know, um, but, but I mean, think about. There's also you know justifiable crimes, and I think when someone commits a crime that they feel in their heart was justified, yeah, it, that it's not a crime. It's it, you know, it needed killing, you know. I mean, the uh, the old uh, the old proverb from the prison prison yard. But at the same time, it's it's not a crime if if it if it was justified to the person. But one of the things hearing you talk, it's interesting because in in art, you you know, there's a channeling effect here. You know, some call it the muse. You know, some mm-hmm. you know some call it actually getting in touch with the character, whether that character's fabricated fabricated in your head or, or based in this case uh, on a historical person. And it's it's funny to hear you you. You know, you you tuning into that energy to to the facts, to what she said, because like you said, it's this this transcripts, there's newspaper articles, there's a myriad of books out there that uh, that, that talk all about her life because she was so captivating. And it's interesting, you made another point too that you know society hasn't changed all that much. It's been a century plus now, but we still we need closure and we need answers so quickly. As soon as a crime's committed, we need to know that that that, that whoever committed that heinous act isn't still out there. Um, we need we need to know who it is so we can keep our eye on them, even if we don't have enough to convict them yet. And uh, and and we seek that closure. And so when you're when you're playing that character, and and because all of us have been to that house, we know that some of these people are so passionate about Lizzie. There's people that are passionate about her, about the case, about the paranormal, and some combination thereof, the three. And how how are you finding that as you as you're performing this, you know, for for audiences all over the place? Uh, what what are the 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 crazed Lizzie fans, you know, saying to you about about your portrayal? Well, they, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, they feel like for the first time they actually see her. And she's not objectified, but she's a woman, you know, there in flesh and blood. And a lot of people say to me, oh, my gosh, I really like her. Like, I would be friends with her. And I'm like, yeah, because a lot of the things I read about Lizzie was that she had a sense of humor about her. And for me, I know the way I've dealt with tragedy in my life is through humor. And I did stand-up comedy for several years. And, you know, I Richard Pryor says tragedy plus timing is comedy. And so when I wrote this piece, it just has a lot of humor in it. And the more I, I've well, the more it's evolved and the more I've relaxed and allowed Lizzie to come through, the funnier it has become. And also because there are so many sections that are so traumatic about things that happened um, and the description of certain things that happened. And so then it has that comic relief that comes in and people need that and they want that and they respond to it. And because, you know, I, that's how I deal with tragedy in my life. And I, when I came upon Lizzie, and, you know, I, one thing I read said that she used to joke about the murders afterwards and stuff. And so I have her doing that in the play, and she plays pranks on people. I mean, it's just me, but I play all the parts, and I act things out. And, I, you know, it's Lizzie, like, talking, you know, doing it from Lizzie's point of view, but, you know, like, as Lizzie, I play my father and then Mrs. Borden and the maid and, you know, the guy who comes to deliver the the bone china for her party or whatever. And so I'm able to have fun uh, in a a Lizzie sort of way 
um, with the different people in her life, and it's from her perspective totally and how, um, you know, I mean, they didn't even have fingerprints back then. The fingerprints weren't even created until, you know, the early 1900s. Wait a minute, so, you mean fingers didn't have prints on them in the, ni- in the uh, 1800s? <laughs> Holy cow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we have that now because we can solve I crimes. Know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you a, a, what might be a strange question, Jill, but how much do the actual murders themselves uh, come into focus during the play? I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're dealing with what Lizzie's reaction is to it, but I mean, there's no reenactment scene, say, uh, or is there? Ooh. Well, I don't like to, you know. Um, Does she die at the put, end? I mean, no. <laughs> put, it, put it this yeah, way, she though. Has gall, she has a reaction from her gallbladder yeah. operation and dies on stage. No, oh. but but you're not. People aren't going to go in there and and see you uh, essentially acting out the murder as you think it as it occurred. Well, I I, I don't want to give certain. Okay. Things. Well, well, you know, wait, wait, wait. Leave it at Isn't that. this like when you saw the movie Titanic? Like you kind of knew what was going to happen yeah, at the end. Yeah. You're like, I think the boat's going to sink. I think the boat's going to sink. Yeah, I have a funny feeling. But the que- you know, the question is, does he draw her like he draws his French girls before the boat goes down? Right, right, right. And that's, I mean, but that's the that's w- what the the uh, the point of this play is, though, is it's not to to it's not the Elizabeth Montgomery. Let's show no. you as a as a murderess. No. Yeah, exactly. That's that's no. what I'm what I'm trying to say here is that you know it's it's a human portrayal of who she was or or who you've created uh, her as being and it's it's not about them for people that just want to go and see a bunch of blood and gore it's not going to happen especially in a one woman play because no, uh, otherwise not, it wouldn't be a very long play. Yeah, there's not a lot of. I mean, there's no blood. I mean, it's for the record, I would see that though. That would be. Awesome. <laughs> I would I would go see that. <laughs> just saying. Um, but you know the the. The play sort of time travels because it goes back and forth between her being in the present and her going back in her memory, or is it, you know what I mean? So it goes back and forth, and it sort of interweaves itself, and then at one point it sort of disintegrates, you know, her her mind where she's trying to keep it together, but keeps going back to, you know, and then finally it does go to the day of the murders and, you know, blah, 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 because it has to go there eventually, but... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. And I, I I got a chance to watch the scene that's available on your website, lizzybordenlive.com. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. There's a button right at the top, watch a scene. And I, there was a lot of humor there. There was there was great timing and, and sarcasm and uh, in the way, you know, you, you bring Lizzie through and kind of kind of tiptoeing around what everybody's thinking. And uh, and it, you can tell that you, that you are having fun with the character, but also it, it is making your human and funny and witty. And, and I mean, you have to be smart to be that witty, you know? So I think, I think you're, you're kind of accomplishing that. That's good. That's and, good. Yeah. I mean that, and you know, the newspapers, so many of the newspapers, they just lied and made up stuff about her or not the standard, not the evening standard. They would never do that, <laughs> which subsequently became the standard times, which employs me. Oh, then you're absolutely right. They would not. It's the one newspaper that never made a mistake. The Fall River Herald, though, they they were horrible. Awful. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like the Fall River Herald, actually. They've been very good to to Lizzie. So, but, um, yeah, but, you know, when you were asking about what is a ghost, Mm -hmm. this is my thought. It's energy. It's somebody's energy. Um, because, okay, if we are flesh and bone when we're on the planet, right, but then we die, 
all of our energy does not die with it. That energy stays somewhere. It has mm-hmm. to stay in the, you know, in the cosmos. It, it doesn't go away. That energy is still here. And I don't know why some people, I mean, there's theories about why some people stay and some people go and blah, blah, blah. So whatever. Wait, start over. i got to type that out. No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> I don't know what I. Said. <laughs> uh, no, you're right, and and one of the things in in art, right? It, you're a writer, so you understand. And what in any kind of art, musician, painter, whatever, there's a, there's an old saying. You know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You're meaning that you are a product of all the greats that inspired you, and and you take all that, you mold it together, you make it your own, you bring your own into it, and and I think you know so. I mean, how much of Lizzie was an inspiration to you? I mean, did did you draw off of her? Do you draw off other people's works when you're putting this together? Um, yeah, I mean, I I draw from everything. I mean, when I started working on Lizzie, I became addicted to uh, Masterpiece Theater on PBS. I could not get enough of it. It was like I had to learn everything about that that um, that time. Uh, I wanted to go, you know, the 1800s. I just started, I had to see what the clothes were like. I had to see, you know, I just had to kind of go back in time and in that place. Then I had to put it in a context of history. You know, when was the Civil War? When was this? And it was fascinating to me because, you know, it's like time traveling, I guess. And um, But if I see a play, you know, I live in New York City, so... I like to go see theater when I can. It's very expensive now, but I can get cheaper tickets because they have this thing called um, TDF, Theater Development Fund. And if you're a professional actor or teacher or fireman, something like that, you can get, you can join and so you can get discount tickets. And that's how I see theater. And I'm always inspired by something or, and I'll, or I'll, you know, I'll see something and I'll think, oh, that was brilliant the way that, you know, the way the writing is, the way the structure is, the way... You know, a moment like a, a moment that an actor has might inspire me, and I'll go, oh, and it'll trigger something in my psyche. And I always have a pen and paper with me, and I always take notes because even you might hear a conversation somewhere, or something triggers something, and I, if I don't write it down, it goes away. It's like ether, and it will it will disappear. And sometimes it'll come back, but not, I can't trust that always. And yeah, yeah. And I, one of the things too you talked about when, when you when you go to the Lizzie Borden house, I know you said you visited. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back to the ghostly part of it, you know, Leanne has taken great pains to make that house look like, 18, yes. you know, eighteen ninety two. And yes. I've, I've always wondered is that is that part of the effect? You know, you walk in, you're, you're stepping back in time. Are you tuning into what took place there over a century ago? Are you are you calling it back? Do you need her to still be around? Do you need your own answers? Is that it, it, uh, do all those human needs and emotions and energies, you know, you know, combine to make that place an active haunt that we we know it to be as we've all had experiences there? Well, I think what happens is when you get a you know when people if you're in a location like that where something like that has happened and then you have people that come in and they start asking questions and, you know, doing the EVPs and everything, I think you do uh, call in that energy. And you know what? I've been to the house many times and I never um, – I haven't – I've had a lot of um, paranormal experiences in my life, but when I was there – Honestly, I I didn't want any paranormal experiences. <laughs> I was like, please, dear God, you know, I don't, 
well, because because I'm playing her, and I just and I I think when I went there, I would always say, you know, I come in peace. I'd say my little prayers. I come in peace. I'm not here to, you know. I, you know, I'm just here as really to be an instrument for Lizzie to come through me. And I always, before I go on stage, I, I ask her, you know, I say, Lizzie, you know, come on, uh, help me out here. Let's just um, go do this, you know, because I don't want it to be about me. I, I like to get out of the way. Now, of course, it is me, but, I mean, I do co- evoke, um, you know, whatever that energy is to come help me do it because in real life I don't I don't think I probably I don't look or behave like Lizzie but when I'm performing I do for some reason and people are always like you know you really look like her but I really don't but for some reason when I perform her I do and it's just weird so almost like the way a, a trance medium might work at, at the actual house itself but I, I want to ask you Jill now that there's been so much attention paid to Lizzie's ghost and to the paranormal aspects of this case, has that at all affected your portrayal? I mean, I don't know how up you are on the different things that people are saying about her spirit uh, coming out of the house, but have you taken any of that into account when you're portraying her? I mean, obviously you're not going to rename the show Lizzie Borden Dead and do it from a ghost perspective, although if <laughs> you do, I ghost. want co-writer credit. <laughs> but... Uh, but what people are saying about her as a spirit, uh, are you at least interested in finding out about that? I and kind of am. Incorporating and that? I'll tell you, the only thing I know is I remember um, on, um, okay, Leanne was on Montel, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Sylvia Brown was on. And I guess they asked Sylvia Brown uh, about Lizzie. Did she do it? And she said, oh, yes, she did it. She was bipolar. Uh, and so yeah, she, you read know, a, she read a book and Sylvia Brown never got anything wrong. Yep. Yeah, no. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Her I, assistant read a book and then briefed her about it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We don't mean to no, cut you but off. That's, that's really kind of all I know about it because, you know, I've, Leanne's asked me to stay at the house and everything. And I just, um, I'm a scaredy cat. I really, <laughs> I am. Well, I don't, you gotta I mean, be there some night when we're there and then there's no sleeping involved. You're going to be yeah. awake the whole time with a tape recorder in your hand. Yeah, we get EMF that meters. That would be and... fun. That would be fun. I would, that I could by. do. Jill, I'd almost rather have you there in the house in, an, in the course of an investigation than to have a, a trance medium or somebody who's going to channel Lizzie uh, because I think that what you're doing is, you know, just as important to the spirit than, than what a, a, a psychic channeler yeah. might do. And plus, I mean, maybe we could get Jill possessed. I mean, how cool would that be? That would be kind of I mean, think of the depth <laughs> of character that would bring, I mean, t- Tony Awards. If it did happen, we would yeah. not exercise. No, no, we'd leave, you, we'd we'd leave it done. Leave you hooked up Clear like your that. shelves. The Tony Awards are going to just start stacking up. You've already won a Jacoby Award for, for Best Actress. That's right. And who's ever heard of that? Let me ask. Um, <laughs> well, here we think it's an award for being a, a really J- good center fielder because we have Jacoby Ellsberg. Isn't it Jacoby and Meyer? In the, aren't they a law firm? Oh or yeah, something? Jacoby and Meyer's a law firm. You're yeah. right. So we've You're heard right. of everything but your award. I know. Well, that's because it was done um, when I did the play. The um, it, it premiered in Cape May, New Jersey, and I guess um, they have these awards in New Jersey that this guy gives for the Jacoby Awards or whatever. But that. 
that particular year when I won the award, they had other plays down there that had, you know, run off Broadway and everything. So I felt, I was like, oh, okay, I'll take it. Thank you very much. Just wait. That Anthony Award's coming, I'm telling you. That's right. We have uh, we have a call on the line here, so let's go to the phones. Good evening. around Spooky South Coast with Jill Dalton. How are you? Good evening. It's Keith. Hey, Keith. How are you? Good evening to you and good evening to your guest. Hi, we- Keith. We Hi are uh, happy to have you in this conversation, Keith, because we actually got to be there with you the first time you were in 92 Second Street. Yes. And and to see you having experiences there for the first time, and hopefully we can get Jill to have the same type of thing happen when we get her in there. That would be that would be something because um, the place does seem to be more and more active as the um, as time goes by. It doesn't seem to be lessening. It seems to be uh, gathering. You know, I mean, I think it's because of the recognition that's uh, been given the place, and um, of course, the place and the whole story is very near and dear to my uh, my family as well, because uh, my grandfather, having been a neighbor of theirs at the time, so um, it, it is. Uh, I, I really believe it is very, very active, and I'd like to see what uh, does transpire there when she goes there. Hmm. So, so what type of things ha- have you encountered there? Myself, um, I haven't encountered a lot there myself. It's been uh, mostly you know, people I know that have been there that have encountered things. But the uh, the story itself is very close to my family because my grandfather grew up in the area. He was only four years old when the murders happened, but he certainly did remember the aftermath. He lived to be 93 years old. And uh, wow. my family is buried right next to the Bordens. You see uh, the Bordens, and then you see the Places and the Greens and the Darlings, all those English names. They're all my grandfather's side of the family. So so we do uh-huh. feel a connection there. Plus, I have a sister-in-law who's a direct uh, relation to her as well. So so we do feel a close kinship to them in some ways. There, there's, I mean, the connections are uncanny, especially when you go in there. I mean, now myself, I've hacked people to death with an axe. So when I go in there... <laughs> Just I, brings back all I'm those just like, memories. oh, God, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that's right. It takes a lot more than 40 to get the job done. Too. That's right. right. I mean, if you're going to do it right. It's hard work. It was 19 and 10. That's right. Yeah, that, that, that nursery rhyme is such an exaggeration. Exactly. Come on. It's, it's, you know, we, we like to play up our, our we do. heroes and villains. We say a million times, don't exaggerate. But, uh, yeah, it but, but, Keith, you're also a, an actor as well, and, and you portrayed characters here on Spooky South Coast for us, even. Yes, I have. Yes, so, indeed. I mean, you can understand what it's like to have to try and make a, a, a an assumption of what a person was like not knowing about them. But uh, imagine you know, having to take all the negative stigma of Lizzie Borden and try and make a, a human character that people can relate to as Jill's done. Yes, but I'm, I'm sure Jill, I know Jill empathizes with her as a person as well because she was a real person and, uh, you know, to, to go beyond the stigma and everything and think what motivated this actual person. For example, when um, I appeared in The Crucible, I played Reverend Paris, who's portrayed as a very, very villainous character. But I actually, I did research into his character. I walked the same floorboards he did, and I really, really did get into the character. However villainous he's portrayed, he did have his uh, good points as well. So, I mean, kind of sympathy for the devil in a way, you see, but... uh, Yes, but, you know, but you... villains don't think they're villains. I mean, you know, if you're that person, they don't think they're evil they're just doing what they have to do that's right you know, 
That's right. That's They're sweet. doing what they think they have to do at the time. And, uh, yeah. Right. They're not wrong to themselves, and that that is a very, very good point, very good point. So I know you're doing wonderful with this, and uh, it's you, you really do get an appreciation for the character when, when you get that closely involved. All right, Keith, well, thanks for, for checking in, and uh, hopefully we're going to get you in here soon. We're going to do a Slater Mill show, and we'll talk about the new book. Yes, and uh, in our neck of the woods, it's uh, tomorrow marks the 117th birthday of Mercy Brown. So, ah, well, uh, oh. I would I would say happy birthday to her because uh, if you believe the story, she's out there listening. That's what they say. Uh, sweet <laughs> right, dreams, okay. Mercy. Well, great talking to you guys. Thanks, Keith. Have a good See night. You, Keith. Thanks, good Keith. Luck. Goodbye. Bye. That is Keith Johnson. He is a, he's a paranormal investigator, and you've probably seen him on the Ghost Hunter show. And and uh, he's also an actor, as I mentioned. And, and just the first time we got them into the house, and you could almost tell us somebody who had an appreciation anyway just for Victorian lifestyle and Victorian times. You know, he was blown away. And then when stuff starts happening, you make an even better connection. When, when you're here, Jill, I imagine with the performances, you don't really have much time to – to get into the house and you would have time to spend, but let's definitely set a date sometime in the future when you're not so busy where we can get you to come up here and maybe spend the night in the house and, and we'll really show you kind of our perspective when it comes to the Bordens and what happened uh, and, and see if we can actually make something happen for you. I would, I would love that. I mean, uh, as long as I'm there with other people, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll lock her in the basement. And it's not it's no, done. I don't like that basement, I'll tell you. It's well, not the necessarily blood's got to drip the, uh... somewhere. It doesn't drip up. <laughs> it's better if there's, if there's a drain handy. But it's it's not just the spirits of the Bordens that are there either. I mean, or or necessarily uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Borden or Lizzie Borden, but there's such a, a wealth of activity that can happen there. You never know how it's going to manifest. We were there one night uh, myself, Matt Moniz, and Jeff, we were all there, and we'd be on the first floor, and we'd hear a woman singing on the second floor. Or we'd be in the basement, and we'd hear a baby crying on the first floor. And it's just there's so many wow. possibilities of, of activity there that we know if you got there, it would just light up. Because if Lizzie is there, I think she would definitely feel that connection with you and would want to make her presence known. So we basically and, want to make you a guinea pig. And, and it's a, right, of course. We, we need, uh, let's be honest. We, we, need, we, need, we need bait. We need bait. We need some bait. But uh, one of the traps that you fall into at these famous haunts, like the Lizzie Borden house, is that you, you know you fall into the trap of again wanting answers. So you say, well, this place seems to be haunted. People are hearing things, uh, feeling cold spots. Objects are being moved. It must be Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Because you need an answer. You, you you can't just leave that hanging. Or it must be Mr. Borden or or Mrs. Borden, even though like hearing a baby crying that doesn't fit at all with the crime. No. You know, uh, and or or scampering footsteps like we heard that one time when we were in the basement and, and kids' voices. Well, we can we can get into what we really think it is that's going on. Or at least what I think it's going on. I know Matt Moniz agrees with me. I don't know Jeff what your feelings are, but um, uh, this. I'm looking at the clock. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time to get into all this, but Jill, our basic theory, and I think I shared this with you the last time we spoke, is we think that there's something somewhat dark there and uh, that oh. it may have held influence over Lizzie or whoever committed these murders and has really? since kind of been feeding itself off people's uh, interest level and constant reminder of the fact that these murders happened. It's almost like a, a buffet of negativity for this thing to feed on. There's Ew. a microphone there, Matt. You can try that. <laughs> I was going to say, you, have the, Yuck. You, you also have all of the murders or the deaths that happened before mm-hmm. Andrew and Abby And Borden. rumored after as well. Yeah. What? 
Oh, yeah, well. there there are roughly eight or nine people that have died in that house. No, with that property, and that's not including the two children from next door. That is including. Including, the, okay. It's actually three children and the mother. The fourth child lived. I thought it was two when the third child lived. Wait, yeah. It doesn't matter. The the yeah. expert of all things Borden just checked in. All right. So we can we can take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have about ten minutes before the news break. We'll bring Faye Musselman on board, Jill. Okay. And, and we can share the the discussion with her as well. But let's just get the information out there before we go to commercial to make sure that everybody can get to the show. It is August. Uh, August 21st, it's a Friday night at 8 p.m., and Saturday the 22nd at 8 p.m., that will be at the Eagle Performing Arts Center, 35 North Main Street in Fall River. Uh, It's only the second time that it's been performed in Fall River, and I can imagine the response was terrific the last time you were here. It was so fantastic. I mean, because they get everything, and also because Lizzie is such an icon, and for them to look at her, I mean, so many people said to me, oh, my gosh, you know, this is so different than, you know, what I've thought about Lizzie Borden. So, yeah, it was great. I I had a wonderful time. And the Eagle is a beautiful, gorgeous place that um, Jerry Donovan has refurbished, and it's it's just beautiful. It's really, it was really wonderful. It was great. There's only 150 tickets, so act now and try and get them. Uh, if there's still some left, you can get them. They're $30. You can go to lizzieborden.live.com, uh, click on the schedule page, and you can buy them in advance, or you can pay at the door with cash only. Again, that's Friday the 21st and Saturday the 22nd of August at the Eagle Performing Arts Center in Fall River. Seriously, what, what better place to see this? I mean, come really? on. Yeah, I mean, it, come on. I know. Coming it's home. A block it's like going to see Oklahoma house. in Oklahoma. That's right. You can't beat it. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Faye Musselman and more with Jill Dalton as well, as we're only just two days, three days away from the 117th anniversary of the Borden murders. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Aiming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Anytime we can drop some Snoop Dogg on Spooky South Coast, it's a good night. Alright, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Silent Assassin, Matt Costa. Science Advisor, Matt Moniz. Special guest host, Jeff Belanger. Hey, hey. And we have Jill Dalton, who plays Lizzie Borden in Lizzie Borden Live. She's on the line with us. And also joining us on the line is Faye Musselman, who is the go-to expert of all things Borden. And she's probably going to try to diffuse some of this praise, but I don't know anybody that knows the ins and outs of this case more than she does. And she has actual Borden memorabilia in her collection and... She is definitely, I mean, when Leanne Wilbur is, is bowing at her feet about uh, all the things that she knows about the case, then uh, you know that you've got somebody who is well-versed in it. And Faye, thank you for joining us again here on the show. We talked to you, what, almost two years ago now. Yeah, when I was in the basement there. That was a lot of fun and very enlightening. That was a creepy show. Now, Patrick from Ontario called in during the break, and we thank you for calling. Uh, can we bring him on, too? Is that possible? Or are we going to lose Faye? I don't want to lose anybody on the line. Okay. Patrick, are you there? Hello? All the lines are lighting up now. Let's just go with the conversation because we've only got about five <laughs> minutes here before the news. Uh, and then we'll we'll stick with everybody during the news break and we'll come back and talk some more. But, uh, Faye, you had been, like I said, you know, just 
headfirst into this case for many, many years when we met you, but the paranormal was still something that was pretty new to you on your radar. I think we lost Faye. We lost Faye. <laughs> this is what happens no. when we start playing with phones. Man. All right. Well, there's our number there, Matt. We can we can get her back on the phone. And well, why don't we try take that Wareham call um, first and just see who it is. Good evening, around Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Is anybody really here? We are here. We're all here. All right. I'm really sad you guys are leaving me, but I am a huge Tool fan and a huge Metallica fan and a huge BCN fan. Okay. And I would love to hear Prison Sex, oh. and I would love to know if you guys have any tickets for the show tomorrow. All right, that tomorrow. song's up next, and uh, we're going to send tickets out right away. Take care. Don't break my balls, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly calling the wrong station, but thanks. Awesome. That was fun. I love when that happens. <laughs> what are the chances that two radio stations have the exact almost same phone numbers? <laughs> oh. Moving on. Okay, Good. good call. Matt, I want to try to get Faye back on the line, and, and we'll talk with Jill in the few minutes we have left. <laughs> See what happens is you just try and do, you know. You, uh, what do anyway. you have, like two phones in there? Uh, two. Just one. Yeah, it's oh. one phone with like four or five lines, but uh, yeah. it's kind of like if you take one call, you drop the other call, and and uh, we, we don't really know what we're doing here. Not a clue. I know. I understand. We're lucky we can even get on the air each week. So, Patrick, Are we on the air? We are. Oh, my God. I thought we were recording this. <laughs> Patrick from Ontario had called in, and he wanted to know about some of our experiences that would happen uh, happen in the house. And, and uh, Jeff gave him a little bit more explanation of what we were talking about in terms of you know, the night that we were there by ourselves and, and some strange stuff happened. And now we've got Faye back? Okay. All so right. let's bring her on. We've got three minutes left, Matt. So you watch that clock because you know how we like to talk. Now, Faye, you were new to the idea of the paranormal when it came to the Borden case uh, when we sat with you almost two years ago. And now, have you had time to look a little bit more into that aspect of the Borden case? Oh, yeah. I, I think two years ago is when I related what happened the year prior mm -hmm. about my being in the basement alone and the house was filled with all these paranormal people. And uh, We prefer to be called freaks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Sensor, sensitive people. Uh, and I felt the three fingers going down my back. I was mm -hmm. there all by myself. It really freaked me out because I've been in that house so many times by myself. And in all those years, never experienced anything like that. But what happened on my next visit, uh, it was when Chris Moon was there and all those people, and they were having a, um, a seance in the sitting room. Mm -hmm. uh, Liz, the clairvoyant, was conducting it. And I went in with a very skeptical mind. This, this is a joke. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, I stood there and I watched everybody. I bent down for several minutes, looked under the chairs for people kneeing the tabletop or if Liz had finger grips or whatever the hell was going. And I want to tell you, and I kept moving positions around in the room. And that table lifted off the floor it spun around, it tilted, and I was just shocked out of my socks. I, I, I could not, if this was a trick, I couldn't see how it was happening. And Leanne tells me that this has happened several times when they've sure. had these dances. And what Liz was doing is she was calling out Andrew, and when she raised the question about uh, incest, and she didn't use that word, but she alluded to that, Oh, the table started shaking, and she was saying he was getting very angry. Now, she even let, let the guest, 
and it, they weren't all paranormal uh, people at this time. She even let the guests ask questions. So these were just average people, and she was sort of a, like channeling him what his answers were. Mm-hmm. But I cannot figure out how that, you know, this couldn't have been scripted. Um, I cannot figure out how that table moved the way it did. Uh, everybody in the room believed it was legitimate, and I have to, when I, after I finished watching that, I caught Leanne in the kitchen, I said, you know, something's going on in there. All right, well, we I have to take a break for the news, but not to, not to cut you off, we got to take a break for the news. When we come back, we'll talk more about this here on Spooky South. All right. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Great googly moogly. I can smell your tears. I'm not afraid. You will be. Welcome back, our number two of Spooky South Coast against Matt Costa's wishes. He's tired. He wants to go to bed. But we are going to stick with you as long as we can here because the Red Sox robbed us of an hour, and we've got so much to talk about. And we are talking about the paranormal, as we do each and every Saturday night. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, who is now the snoring assassin. Science advisor, Matt Moniz. Folks, you don't want him to start snoring. Trust me. Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> and Jeff Belanger, who is here. I uh, guess uh, we're going to try to get back on the uh, yes. monthly, monthly. We are we are going to try to be monthly again. So what we'll do is we'll just uh, we'll just follow you on the Jeff Belanger World Tour. Right. Okay. And uh, well, you you know you use Skype now, and we've got the technology. Yeah, so yeah. If you're somewhere, as long as you're not actually you know involved in something, we could always we, connect with you. We could. Yeah. Because you know I think next month I'll be in California, possibly on on that Saturday. So maybe we could. We'll we'll figure something. We'll figure out. it out. You know the door's always open. For Thanks, you. man. I appreciate it. Because. Uh, I could be homeless. And now, we, <laughs> now we have the key, so right. we can actually get in the door. Suckers. And uh, we are talking about the Borden case. We have uh, Jill Dalton, who is an actress who plays Lizzie Borden in the show Lizzie Borden Live, which is coming up at the Eagle Performing Arts Center in Fall River, Friday the 21st of August and Saturday the 22nd. Both nights, the performance is at 8 p.m. Tickets are $30. They can be purchased online at lizziebordenlive.com. Just click on the schedule page or at the door. And, of course, all the websites uh, partners in tonight's show are linked up to the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. That's where you can also find the video link to check us out on Spooky TV, or you can go to Justin.tv slash SpookySouthCoast. And we're looking into possibly moving around that video feed, so just always go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on it there. You'll be able to get to wherever it, it currently is being hosted. We'll work all that out. And uh, also you can get the Twitter feed right there as well. But if you want to get us sent directly to your mobile device or whatever you use to tweet, it's twitter.com slash spooky SC. And uh, right now, Jeff is making sure that the video feed is 
entertaining for everybody watching it. And hello to everybody in the chat room. There's a chat room there on the Justin TV, Spooky TV feed where you can uh, jump in and discuss with the people that are in there. I see uh, Luann's in there and Craig and Patrick and I'm sorry, I don't know uh, Dolphiness's actual name, but I guess that's why you have a screen name because you don't want us to know. Right. It's probably right. someone famous <laughs> and important. It's, you know who I think it is? Ernest Borgnine. Could be. He's a big fan of the show. Could be. I have no reason to believe that except for the fact that, you know, <laughs> he just seems like a spooky South Coast kind of guy. Is he still alive? Yeah. I think uh, he is. I think he's uh, in a convertible Thelma and Louise style driving around the country with Abe Vigoda. So. Challenging death at every corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fish and... All right, anyway, let's just move So on. when do we go on the air? Uh, we've been on the air, oh, unfortunately, right. for the audience. All right, let's get back into the discussion about Lizzie Borden, about the paranormal circumstances around Lizzie Borden. We're only a few days away from the anniversary of the murders, August 4th, 1892. We're only two days away now. Two days we've away, yeah, because we've, we've crossed over yeah. that barrier. Time travel, almost. Right. All right, Jill and Faye, are you both still been with us? Been there on August 4th and done anything? We've actually yeah. been there. Uh, it's kind of hard on August 4th to conduct yeah. any kind of investigation because they always have something going on. Uh, I know in the past they've done reenactments of the murders and the day yeah. the yeah. day of the murders. Uh, when we were there last uh, and we spoke with Faye, they were doing a, kind of a, a reenactment of what the home was like in the days following the murder, kind of a the funeral type atmosphere of what was going on. They even had the bodies laid out on the table and everything. Nice. Um, so it, there's always so much stuff going on that it's hard to really conduct a full scale investigation, but people that rent out the, the place are always looking to try to make some sort of connection with the spirits on that day. And they do seem to be a little bit more active on the anniversary. Okay. Are they more active, or are there just a lot more people in there doing all kinds of odd stuff that stirs things up? It could be more of the latter. Uh, but, I mean, if you think that it is the Borden's ghost, then, yeah, that day would mean something. But if it's not, then what difference does it make what day it is? And it's really just because there's more people there looking for it. Right. I mean, if you're a spirit trapped somewhere, and, uh, I mean, whatever day it is, a bunch of people come in and... Yeah, you want to make sure that you, you know, throw out a big signal beacon to let right. people know you're there. But, uh, you know, as, as long as you get the chance, as, as we have, and I know as Faye has, to be in the home when it's relatively quiet, when there's not a lot of people uh, congesting the place up, you can really start to, to make that connection and feel that throwback to 100 years ago. And, Faye, with all the research that you've done, uh, when you finally get that chance to have the house to yourself, I mean, how much of a difference does that make in your understanding of the Borden family? Faye? Breaker one nine. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, lose her again. <laughs> the lights still lit up. Yeah, she's still on the line. Hopefully, uh, uh, she fell asleep. Man, well, I I'll, I'll feel. This I'm one. here. Oh, hey! Okay. Yay! She's listening on the computer. She's on mute for heaven's sake. Oh, good. Anyway, uh, I'll answer that question <laughs> okay. in a moment. But first, I want to give a shout out from Payson, Arizona, to Jill. Hi, Hi Jill. Jay. <laughs> I saw her three times when she appeared at uh, in Sedona, Arizona. And I'm telling your listeners, you got to get to Fall River and see this because it's just one of the most remarkable performances imaginable. She, it's an excellent, excellent script that she's written, which shows a lot of research. It's a wonderful thing. So people that have been on the fence, spend your $30. It's well worth it. 
And before you answer the question, Faye, I do want to just throw one thing here, interject Thank for a you, moment. Faye. You're welcome. You are you are one of the coolest people we know because you drop terms like shout out and you <laughs> blog and you tweet. You're just awesome. Yeah, yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> You're in a minority club. Anyway, um, to answer your question, yeah, you do. Uh, if you're even baseline knowledgeable about the case and you stay in the house and you have a chance to be there when there aren't a lot of people, one of the cool things to do is to shut all the doors in the sitting room because when the Bordens lived there, they were very territorial. The girls had their so-called suite upstairs, their two bedrooms, and they used the sitting there, the guest room as their sitting room. The living room was the uh, domain of Mr. and Mrs. Borden. But when you sit in that room with all the doors closed, you get a real sense of how confining and even secretive that that house was. And I like to sit there and just imagine you know, doing a, a, a video in my mind of what took place on the conversation the Wednesday before, what took place on the murders. So you, you really have a chance to contemplate and figure things out without a lot of distraction. I'll, I'll tell I think you. I told you guys uh, uh, when we had that, that, when we were broadcasting in the basement before, about the only part of the house that disturbs me is the guest room. And I've slept in every bed but that one, and I will not sleep in that room. There's something about that spot where Abby died that it's foreboding, it's sick, it's, uh, oh, God, I really don't know how to describe it, but it's not pleasant. Every time I approach it, even when I've done tours or when I'm other, with other people going up there, I get a sense of getting away. I have to get away from that spot. And if I sleep in Lizzie's room or Mr. and Mrs. Borden's room, I always shut that door, whether there's people there or not. If I've been in the house by myself mm -hmm. even, I keep that door shut. It's like there's something in there. Well, and, and I tend to believe that if – I think the house is not haunted but active. Mm -hmm. And if there's some kind of spirit or being or whatever is in that house, I think it's Andrew and Abby, or at least one of the two. Um, I don't think Lizzie's presence, spirit, residue is there at all. She hated that place. That's the last place she'd want to linger. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, well, But there is something in that house. You know, for years and years, Martha McGinn, the prior owner, swore to it, and, and Leanne swears to it. And these are both very grounded women. They're not wacko broads. They, you know, they've lived in that house, and they are convinced there's something there. I think there's something there. I'm not convinced it's Andrew, per se, or Abby, per se, but if it's... It may take on those personas. Entity, it's them. I, I'll tell you about that spot in, in the guest room uh, where Abby was murdered. That's where we've seen people get... Uh, physically accosted. Uh, that's where we've seen people um, have, you know, different light anomalies happen, uh, different photo and, and video anomalies happen, and that's the spot where I myself was thrown up against the wall. Sorry about that. It wasn't you. Oh, the other time. <laughs> yeah, you know, you used to throw me up against a locker. Right. This was uh, this was uh, some something actually that I could not see, which uh, Liz said was, the psychic Liz said was Mr. Borden uh, actually... Uh, pushed me back against the wall in that spot. So, 
Uh, it definitely does have uh, a paranormal history in relation to the, you know, the foreboding feeling that you do get there. But we actually had an experience, uh, and I, I think Matt, you might have, you were there, but I don't think you were in the room. You might have been snoozing at the time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, he gets tired, folks. We're up, we're we're up late. But uh, we were in the the parlor where Mr. Borden was killed, and as Faye had said, we had doors closed, and we had uh, we were kind of sectioned off, and the only sound in the room. Uh, there was probably about five or six of us in the room, including Shannon Other Sylvia. Other than my snoring from the third floor. From the third floor, <laughs> bleeding right. through the through the through the floors. Uh, but there was probably about five of us, as I said. Shannon Sylvia was there from from Ghost Hunters International, and and uh, a couple other people that we work with and respect. And we're in this room. The only sound in the room is that ticking clock that's on the mantel. And by talking to the spirits and trying to get them to give us some sort of sign that they were there. We actually got them to slow that clock down to a dead stop and then pick it back up again. It was really weird. And, and whether or not it was a spirit or whether or not it was our own, you know, psychic energy, whatever you want to say, it did happen, and it was pretty freaky. Wow. So, I mean, definitely I understand, Faye, what you're talking about with closing the doors, and you do kind of feel like you're trapped. We know about the, uh, the, scatter, the scatter shots in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the basement, there's a poster of uh, Lizzie. <clears throat> it's just uh, just to the right of the stairway in the cellar. Right. And behind that looks like uh, like like if somebody had been playing dartboard there. That's what I thought it was dartboard. originally. But I was there one night with a law of this couple, and he was a law enforcement officer, and he said that scatter shot. It is. I've removed lead from no, those holes. Like somebody was, was standing there and scattershot was sprayed. It There's is. no staining on the wall. You know, you talked earlier about the number of people that have been killed there. There were a couple of times some illicit activities going on uh, by prior owners of that structure. And I just wonder if there was an, a, a murder down there. But next time you're in the house, look behind that poster, and, and, and I was told by this guy it was scattershot. Uh, Faye, the answer is yes, it is scattershot because I have personally removed lead from it. And in addition to that, you've also done some research into what what happened there, and you've heard some stories. Uh, yeah, one of the stories I heard is, as you were making reference, that that house had, um, shall we say, nefarious owners. A house in, of ill repute. Yes, and oh. somebody uh, owed some money for playing numbers, didn't pay up. They brought him downstairs and um, basically let him have it. I hadn't heard that. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of stories. And but I, I have. You know, I like to know where the citations come from and if there's any documentation because you know how the whisper game goes and one thing is said. And, then and this was pre-board and owning the home. So we need to find facts. And there's plenty of awesome facts in this case that really it, the Borden case needs little embellishment because there's so much there to begin with. But when people come up with this stuff, I, I say, where did you hear that? Where did, oh, this person was telling me, oh, so-and-so was telling me. Well, that's not good enough. I can say not it's... Not for me. Uh, I like to, to find some validation of it. I, I can't say whether the story is actually true, but I can say that it is number nine birdshot. It seems to me that throughout the history of that house. And I, I did a thing on my blog of the different owners. You know, there were a lot of renters there, mm -hmm. uh, which included Hyman Lubinsky, for one thing, who was the ice cream peddler. He was 
like about 19 years old at the time. And later he was a tenant of that, that building. Um, but we don't really know what went on in there, the types of people, you know. We know that it was a QP doll manufacturing place and then it was a gambling place. But who knows what, um, what other things might have gone on in that house that left some residue that has manifested itself in the house being active. It, it kind of fell by the wayside of the public eye, you know, post-murders and probably until Martha opened it up in, what, 1996. So for, you know, about 100 years, there was no real public access to the house outside of those who lived in it, those who rented it, and those who might have stopped by. But it, it wasn't like it was a, a museum and a, and a bed and breakfast all that time. And so, you know, we, a lot of the history of what happened is probably something that wasn't talked about openly. Well, Martha often, Martha McGinn often told the story of how her dog wouldn't go up the uh, front steps. And a lot of people thought, uh, well, maybe that's because the steps are steep and it was difficult for the dog. I never did find out what kind of dog it was. Um, but did it go up the back steps? Because the back steps are just as steep. And um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that was the case or if the dog sent something up upstairs and wouldn't go. But I thought that was interesting, and that came from Martha herself. Again, another uh, story I'll share, and I, I think we mentioned this to you before, Faye, but uh, Jill, you might be hearing this for the first time. Uh, we had actually been conducting an investigation one night with a magazine, uh, and it was August. It was um, not that long after the anniversary of the murders, and it was actually an August investigation for an October issue of the magazine. But we're in there checking things out, and Matt has a, a thermal um, – not, not thermal. You have a, a temperature – uh, measuring device. I don't know the exact it's name. It's a thermocouple, yeah. Okay, thermocouple, yeah. He's got the ability to uh, basically get ambient temperatures uh, with, with a, a probe, and so we had that outside. I think I was playing with it because I had never seen it before. And also, Luann from Whaling City Ghost had her digital IR thermometer uh, outside as well. And so we had taken some, some temperature readings outside, and it was about 86 degrees out even at night because it was a hot and humid night. And when we went outside later on, some people were taking a cigarette break, and we were outside talking, and Luann is just pointing her uh, digital IR thermometer all over, you know, just kind of for fun while we're outside. And she picked up a really bad cold spot right over, right where those back stairs are, like yeah. uh, right outside where the back staircase would be. And you would go to the right of it, to the left of it, up or down, and it would still be that 86 degrees, but that one cold spot, I think it w went down as low as 28 degrees. Wow. Now, that's not your air conditioning unit. That's not, oh. even though there's no air conditioning unit there anyway, but, you know, that's not air conditioning to get a discharge of that amount. We figured out it was probably about a two foot radius that you and got I that one. I saw a video that you guys had of something that moved. Yeah, the camera. In uh, one of the rooms up there. Yeah, the, the Nobody camera. Nobody was in the room, and you have it on video of how this thing actually moved several inches. Sure, it's up on YouTube, and I think it's on the evidence page at spookysouthcoast.com. Yeah. Did you ever find an explanation for that? We actually tried to recreate that, and uh, we couldn't. Mm. Well, Matt, Matt Costa, you're still skeptical about that, aren't you? About the let me say candy. something about um, yeah, I think, uh, this whole active house on it thing. There's been far more guests since it opened in August 4th, 1996, that have stayed overnight, repeat visitors, and new visitors all over the world that have not experienced the damn thing, and then. And then there's people that come 
with the expectation of the desire for something uh, out of the ordinary happen, and it doesn't. And then there's people that come and don't expect anything, and something does happen. So it's a mix. It's a mixed bag, and I sometimes chalk it off to uh, what I refer to as people that are more sensitive than I am. Just because they can see, hear, and feel something that I can't doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But when you if you look at it statistically, there's far more people that have stayed in that house as guests that have never experienced anything. And the ones that have, the experts in the field that have, are very vehement and uh, uh, assertive and convinced that there's something going on there. Well, and you can find out for yourself, anybody that wants to stay there, you can look through that register they have right out in front, and you can see the experiences people have or maybe don't have for yourself. Right. Right. So, you know, you got to remember that um, people book their stay at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast for a variety of reasons. There's people that just like staying at B&Bs. They don't even know the history. There's people that, that like to stay at famous occupy the same space at a different time where something significant, historical, or infamous happened. And there's people that, like I said, come with the expectation of something to happen. There's others that just stay there because, hey, it's the only place in town. Do you know that? That the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast is really the only place in within the city to stay. Yeah, everything else is closer to the airport. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But... You know, like I said, I'm not 100% convinced that the place is haunted. I'm 100% convinced that it's active because I have observed it firsthand. And I was a hardcore non-believer until that happened to me that night in the in the cellar and then what I saw with that seance. That's well, all it takes sometimes. And we're going to convert Jill, yeah. too. <laughs> and yes. I still, to this day, will not sleep overnight in the, um, the guest room. We'll or lay down in that spot, which I did on my very, very first visit back in the late 90s, but I never have again. I Usually when I enter that room, I go as far as two or three steps in to the, the, the end of the bed, and then I just want to get out of there. You, you won't even do it if we're there with you, Faye? Huh? You won't even do it if we're there with you? Oh, I'll, no, no. I probably, I probably wouldn't. You might get me to step a little further in. You know... It's like, it's like say you go into a place, you open a door, and you step in, and there's no floor. Mm-hmm. It's just the, this abyss, and and you have a sense that something evil is lurking, or the the air is becoming thick. I don't know what it is, but it it just it doesn't freak me out. It makes me feel very. Uh, more than uncomfortable, disturbed, apprehensive, and all my instincts say get out of the room. All right. Well, we are coming up on a break here. We're going to let you ladies go for the evening, uh, and we thank you very much for joining us to talk about this. Faye, you're not going to be at the house Tuesday, are you? No, but, you know, uh, anybody in the area that's listening, Shelly Dizik does a wonderful job on these, Mm -hmm. and they get better every year. So if you got nothing to do on that Tuesday, go and take that tour. You're, you're going to have some top-notch entertainment. And above all, do not miss Bill Dalton and 
Movie Board and Live. Oh, absolutely. Friday the 21st, Saturday the 22nd, 8 p.m. at the Eagle Performing Arts Center. Just go to lizzieborden.live.com and you can purchase your tickets. Jill, Faye, thank you so much for joining us, especially on short notice. And uh, thank, thank you. you for Good talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks right. for coming up. And we'll definitely talk to you both again in the future. Okay, right. good. Good evening. Right. Take care. Okay. Have a good night. All right, we are, nice job, man. Kind of, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we want to ask the question, what is a ghost? The numbers to call are 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, emails at SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. talk until we get the first. Any minute now. It's coming. I know it's coming. It's like the extended remix version right here. Huh? I think it is the extended It's like, like that 20-minute version of Love is Like Oxygen. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast, where we talk about classic 70s rock and roll each and every Saturday night. And sometimes the paranormal as well. Matt Costa is in the driver's seat of the program. He's a silent assassin. Matt Costa, I mean, Matt Moniz, science advisor, is here as well. And Jeff Belanger is here co-hosting. And he's asking the question, what is a ghost? I, uh, I, I want an easy way out of this assignment. Richard Felix called me. He's working on a new book, said uh, he's trying to get different people to weigh in. What is a ghost? And I thought, uh, why not knock this out on the air kill two birds the spooky south coast audience all has their opinions of what a ghost is everybody that's in the chat room luann craig patrick everybody that's in there i want you all to call in and give your definition of what a ghost is you can call in 508-996-0500 508-291-0500 email spooky crew at spooky let's go right to the phones good evening you're on spooky south coast how you doing do you have a definition of what is a ghost Hi, Tim. It's Patrick again. Hey, Patrick. Patrick, hey. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, calling. I'm sorry about before calling. I didn't realize, uh, I guess, your phones couldn't hold too many people. Yeah, I think my definition of a ghost is just, like, energy. Like, um, like when you die, it, like, it's just a, a physical death, and your spiritual body lives on forever. So it's just a spiritual, uh, in, in, a spiritual incorporation of who you are? Yeah, because, I mean, like, um, like, I have a perfect example. Like, a couple of days ago... I was at the computer, and my mother-in-law came to get me. She said my wife was calling me from the bedroom. She was asleep. I go there, and she was fast asleep. So it, it, but that's a living person. You know what I mean? That's not. Oh no, no, oh, no, no, no! But she was asleep. She didn't say anything. That's that. That's that's the thing. So it's just that I, energy imprint. And, and like the, the past few days, I've noticed stuff like sitting at the computer, kind of stuff like walking up on me out of the corner of my eye, and I turn, and there's nothing there. But I've seen stuff, and like I felt like. I still feel like somebody touching me on the back of my head or on my shoulder while I'm sitting at the computer, and there's nobody around. So, 
like my definition of a ghost is just that when you die, like it's just your spiritual energy lives on. And, you know, sometimes you hang around maybe to check up on your, your loved ones, let them know that you're okay and make sure that they're okay. Yeah, well, a great deal, Patrick. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in with that. I think that's a lot of people. That's that's their very common definition. The whole idea that matter can't be created or destroyed. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, you know, energy is just going to go on in another form and hopefully carry our, our memory, our intelligence with it and, and allow us to interact if, if possible. Uh, but... When you're talking, when you're posed with a question, what is a ghost? I mean, are you talking? Yeah, it was it was pretty open ended, and because <laughs> there's cultural implications of what that is too. It, it, here's what I've come up with so far: a, a ghost is a direct connection to our past. It's a it's an open discussion of our present, and it's alluding to our own inevitable future. Meaning, mm-hmm. and, and and that's I recognize that's still pretty broad it is broad but yeah, i but, but i understand what you're saying though it's a, it's not just this you know uh something from the past that's it, it, there is right. that three-pronged attack when it comes to you know where it exists in space and time so there's there's the traditional understanding which i would call the discarnate soul mm-hmm. the, the idea that uh grandma's passed away she's still around she's intelligent and interactive she's talking to you she has a message uh, then there's also the psychic impression or imprint, which some people use the term ghost for that, where you know so you, you see an old man walk down the hall and disappear. Mm-hmm. He never pays any attention to you, has no, you know, it's the same scene over and over again like a movie just replaying. And, you know, you might call that a psychic imprint or impression. Um, but then there's, you know, you get into the realm of quantum physics, and that opens up all kinds of other possibilities. You know, one notion is that maybe time isn't necessarily linear. And if that's the case, wow, well, that would explain a lot of ghost experiences. You know, maybe you're seeing the past for a reason that we have yet to fully explain. Yeah, that's just understand. a spot where it's kind of rubbing up against each other. Right. And so, you know, you're in Gettysburg, you see a regiment of soldiers. You know, they're not intelligent, interactive spirits that are here for, with a message. They're, you just saw the past. You saw a glimpse of the past. Or maybe it's an impression. But the other part of it is that, think about it. I mean, it's almost like, in Gettysburg is another example of that. It's almost like history demanding to be remembered. You know, the, these places are haunted, hallowed. I mean, hallowed, you know, another word for, for a soul, you know, for a reason. I mean, it's important that we never forget what took place there because history, as we know, all too often it repeats. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if these ghostly stories, uh, you know, propagate, if they get bigger, if they grow around a location, maybe we're less likely to forget. Maybe we're, we're because you have to know the history. You have to go back. You say, like, well, why would people be haunting Gettysburg? And you say, well, 51,000 dead or wounded in three days that's why i I think that when you look at what a definition is of a ghost you're looking at there's not one of these is the right answer because essentially each one of them is going to kind of define the other what what bothers me about it is people say well you know i know that for a fact that it's it's a disembodied soul or somebody else will say i know for a fact that it's merely simply quantum physics and there's a spot where the that membrane is just thinner well why they're kind of the same reasons that we're all looking at for why this happens you can go back to trauma you can go back to you know, just a strong presence. Sometimes just a, a person's a strong enough soul in life that they still linger around after death, just being that type of personality. Or, or, we, or we can't forget them. I mean, think of, uh, you know, 
Our culture also has a fascination with celebrity. Remember the Michael Jackson video that mm-hmm. came out days after he died when everybody's filming in Neverland Ranch? Numerous ones since then, too. Uh, right. It, we, we can't let him go. You know, I mean, think of the Elvis sightings that happened for so years and years. We have to ask the question then, and we've asked it here before when we've talked about belief is it power of suggestion? It, it, one of the other notions about what is a ghost is that perhaps it's a thought form. You know, it's something that we are put, projecting out into the environment, and it, it, which would be the Michael Jacksons, the, mm-hmm. you know. So is it the power of suggestion, or is it I, I want him to still be with us so badly that I'm projecting I, it? And I, I And when you see it, and you see it as it is as you remembered it, that makes me even more skeptical about whether or not that's what it could be. But the difference between a thought form and a hallucination, a hallucination is, uh, uh, the definition of a hallucination is you see something that isn't actually there in the environment. Mm-hmm. For example, a dream is a hallucination by the very definition. You dream at night, you see imagery that is not in your environment. It's, it's a hallucination. If other people, like if, if, you know, if I were missing Michael Jackson something fierce, and which we know you are. Which I am. Uh, and he's in this room right now, and all of us see it. Perhaps that's a thought form. Perhaps that's me projecting it into the environment. All right, we have another call here. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast, and we want to know, what is a ghost? Hey, Tim. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Here's somebody who's seen a lot of ghosts. Yes, I have. <laughs> and that really is a tough question. I really don't think that I can give you one single answer for what is a ghost. Well, that's There's, okay. To me, a lot of different qualifications for that and different things that can come under that topic of, you know, ghosts. That's a broad category. But you've actually encountered spirits that you believe are disembodied souls and you've been able to communicate with them. Yep, I think so. It, well, what did you, I mean, can you think of your first experience? What What do you think it was? My first experience? With a ghost, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we got to keep it ghost. clean. Got to keep yeah. it clean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't going that way. Um, we because were. my first experience, well, I know you guys would, but. Grow up, all of you, seriously. <laughs> I should have seen that coming a mile away. Um, my first experiences weren't with ghosts. I, I really can't say. I, I think that what I had encounters with is like a different category. Um, but my first encounter with something that I would consider a ghost was just something calling my name. Um, and then later on, as of course, I became Wheeling City Ghost. I have encountered a lot more of these kind of things. And there, there is a broad category. There, there's things that I don't think are aware of us at all. Is there really a consciousness or a soul to something that isn't aware of us? I'm, you know, I'm not too sure about that myself, you know. But well, I well, mean, sometimes if we you're don't... speaking of like an aware spirit that can interact back and forth with me, answer questions manipulate objects, then I think that there is some type of consciousness and soul there that was once a person, and it probably does consist of some type of energy. Again, we you know we come back to energy, and, and you're right, it is a broad topic, and too broad. And, and especially for one paragraph. Especially, well, it's never going to be a paragraph, but, <laughs> but, but that's one of the things that you know we want to cover is that... It, and and here's the other thing too is that there's perception that plays such a huge role in this. So, for example, one person's ghost is another person's space alien. 
is another person's demon, is another person's overtired coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, th- that that living witness, uh, you, you put four different people in front of the same phenomena, they're going to interpret it four different ways. Definitely. Ba- based on the, their upbringing, their level of education, their religious beliefs, their previous experiences, all that stuff that goes into making them who they are, they're going to interpret that. Um, and one of the examples I've used before is like old hag syndrome. You know, where where people go to sleep, they wake up, they're paralyzed, they can't move, they see something coming toward them, they they feel pressure on their chest. That's the same way that some people describe an alien abduction. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. two people experience almost identical phenomena. One says, well, that was old hag syndrome or a, a potential demonic attack, an incubus, a succubus, a spiritual, you know, attack, or... I was, you know, an attempted alien abduction. I went up to the mothership. I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> and, I mean, who's to say who's right and wrong? We weren't there. Well, that kind of lends into one definition that I once heard of ghosts. So I, I, I get into debates from time to time with people uh, who find out what it is that I talk about on the radio, and they want to take me to task for things. Right. And somebody once told me that we have no business sticking our nose in this stuff because – what ghosts are, what aliens are, what all these phenomena are, is simply God. And it's God interacting with you. And, and I kind of took offense to that. And I said, all right, you're just looking for the easy way out here. You believe in God, and therefore these things are supposedly against God. So you're saying that for them to exist, they have to be God, making a connection. And I thought it was kind of a, a cheap answer uh, for the question. It's kind of like, you know, why is the sky blue? Because, you know, yeah, right. God. Well, the whole religion thing becomes very difficult when you're dealing with the paranormal because there are so many beliefs out there. Sure. And I'm That's not trying to step I've on anybody. I always try to like approach it like in a unitarian way, you know, everyone can have their faith, but there is still something happening here. Well, you know? the, the more I thought about that God definition, the more I thought, well, maybe that almost makes sense more than the fact that it could be all these different varieties. The fact that there is some, and I'm not going to say God, I'll use the term, you know, greater consciousness that is trying to uh, interact and trying to at least make itself known, maybe accidentally, maybe intentionally, but the fact that it is something that is greater than us and that we're not meant to understand is why we can't understand it. Because it's not like we just started checking these things out in the last 20 years or the last four years that we've been on the air. I mean, this is something that people have been looking at throughout history. Nobody wants to see anybody die, and therefore the fact that we can't let them go when they do might be why we start looking for them after they have. That's actually a really great point because as we've come forward in time, we are, like, growing so away from traditional religions and going well, different ways. And maybe that's the only way that God can communicate with us to actually tell us that we have souls, we have hope of an afterlife that, you know, because people seem really miserable to me lately, like in this new age or whatever you want to call it. And, well, you know, if maybe if people had a little more hope tax. of something yeah. better, they wouldn't be so miserable. So... Maybe it is God trying to speak to us through the Spirit. Well, if you, you can kind I don't of, think sticking our noses into it would be a bad thing. Aren't we just reaching closer to God? Uh, as I said, I'm just saying what, what this person's opinion was. But it, it, as we look back you know, to a couple of thousand years ago, they didn't understand the process of what happens when you die. So it was more believable to think that somehow that person still did live on. We didn't understand you know, about the different 
uh, electrical systems within the body, about the heart, about the way that all these systems work together, and the fact that you could be, say, brain dead and not physically dead, or physically dead and not brain dead. You know, we didn't know this stuff until the last 50 years or so. So it was easier to hold on to the idea of a ghost. And maybe now it's become so culturally ingrained that even though the science says you're done, your fish food, your worm food, whatever, you're done, we can't let go culturally of the fact that we think that we can still exist. And there's also a, an ego element to it, right? Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, the, we, we think we're so special and that, you know, the, the world can't run without us. Uh, you know. Yet there's no ant ghosts or grasshopper ghosts. <laughs> there was one, but I stepped on it. Ah, well. what are you I don't do? know if that's necessarily true because I've also heard some audio of animal spirits, and I know plenty of people who claim to have seen animal ghosts in their house oh, and, sure. mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And I don't see, you know, that's kind of another touchy issue, too, because some people don't believe that animals have souls. And I think that pretty much every living thing has a soul and everything gets recycled. It's like you want, nature. You want to see the phone lines light up? I think all animals have souls except pit bulls. Damn those pit bulls. Uh-oh. No, I'm just kidding. I have no opinion on pit bulls. I think they're fine animals. And, and good eating if you slow now. cook them. <laughs> I, just, I just know that when you start mentioning pit bulls on the radio, the phone lines light up. So. But, uh, Trying to get some points for the ratings, yeah. are you? No, it's, it's the uh, the 1249 hour is extremely important in the ratings book. <laughs> That's right. So we want to make sure we come out number one. This is drive time for <laughs> Better somebody. get me off the phone then. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for checking in and sharing that definition with us. Yeah, yeah. it was great Thanks to talk to you guys. Have a good night. Have a great night, guys. Bye. All right, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Those are the numbers. What is a ghost? We have about seven minutes left in the program. If you'd like to call in and give your definition or your feelings of what a ghost is, you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And if you miss those numbers, they're all right up on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com as well. So when you're talking about different religious aspects as we were, you know, you are going to take into account some people don't believe that a ghost can exist because their religion says so. Even right. if it comes up and slaps them in the face, it can't be a ghost because that's not what I believe in. It's funny because the, the ghost experience certainly doesn't fall neatly into most religious belief systems. However, I don't think a lot of scriptures and things like that precludes the notion of ghost. I mean, no. if, if you look at the, the Christian Bible, for example, when Jesus comes back from the dead and stands before his disciples, he says... You look as though you've seen a ghost. I'm not a ghost. I'm flesh and blood. He uses the word ghost twice within two sentences. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't say, you look as though you've seen a ghost, and there, you know there's no such thing, you silly ninnies. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, in, in, that, in the Bible, it's, that's not what it says. And so uh, though the notion of ghost is in religious texts, it's in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's in you know, uh, and, various other ones, people still, it's, it's, an, it's an affront to what they believe because it doesn't fall so neatly into that belief system, which is too bad. Because I think it's such an opportunity. Because when I meet when I meet people that have had a profound ghost encounter, when you, when you look them in the eye and you know they've been they've been stirred to the very core by what they witnessed, that big question that we all have to chew on at some point in our lives, you know, is there life after death? Does something go on afterward? That big question's answered for that individual, and I, it's 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 profound. It's the only word I can think of is that that 
that shakes these people up and says, yes, there is something more. I can't prove it to you. I can't convince you, but it's been proved to me. And and you talk about, you know, religious takes on ghosts and how some of them feel that it is against their religion. But that's because we're looking at things from a Western perspective. If you look at a lot of Eastern religions, they incorporate the idea of ghosts. There are religions that believe that ghosts are a very big part of, you know, who we are and how we live our lives today. And I'm not just talking about the spiritualist church and spiritualism in general, because that's only, you know, within the last 150 years. Yeah. But some of these cultures that are older than Christianity believe that these spirits are right alongside of us and guiding us in our daily life. So, I mean, is is the fact that somebody's loved one watching over you, the fact that we think that, you know, in heaven there exists some sort of form of those who have passed before us and that they kind of watch us and guide us and, and interact with us. Oh, you know, thanks, Grandma. That's just your way of saying hi. Well, how is that any different than a ghost? Just because they're not necessarily here on earth walking amongst us and shaking door handles and, you know, knocking books out of our hands, it doesn't mean that, you know, being there, and by there I'm pointing up yeah, to the right. sky for people who are they, listening they, on the they radio. They can't see you. Yeah. yeah. It, well, Sorry. Justin TV does. Right. But, uh, you know, just because they're not next to us here on this plane doesn't mean that they wouldn't be, quote, unquote, a ghost. Right. No, you're right. And, and, and the other part of it, too, is that, I mean, think about the impact that the living have on, you know, think – the impact that you have on people around you, you know, your kids, your family, things like that. Think about the impact that certainly uh, famous people have. And, and I hate to use that word, but I mean like people that have created great art, you mm. know, writers, people that have, have changed opinion and, and really shaken the world up, musicians, painters, you know, poets, people that have, uh, have made a difference and influenced others, right? After they die, that influence lives on. I mean, look at Shakespeare. He's been dead for centuries. And man, his works have been done, redone, ripped off, you know, uh, you know, retooled, you name it, uh, a million times over. No one will ever forget him. It, his spirit lives on. It, you can't argue that. You know, I mean, it's, although uh, Christopher Marlowe's ghost might have a <laughs> argument to place against that, but <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's it's uh it's it's one of these things where the the influence that we have on the world around us does continue after we die. Well, for, we for we some, say you can't get out from under the ghost of something. That's right, and know? so and so maybe uh, you know you know maybe that influence for some people only lasts a short time, and for others it lasts centuries, maybe millennia. Uh, you know, for others. We only got a few minutes left. I'm gonna throw this over to the skeptic over here, Matt Costa, who was uh, anxiously watching the clock because we are coming up on the end of the program. Do you have a short, concise? definition of what you think a ghost is not necessarily what you believe can be a uh -huh. ghost necessarily but what you think maybe we're all looking for from your perspective well it's either uh one of two things swamp gas <laughs> right or a glitch in the matrix there you go <laughs> <laughs> so, finally you know, wait you know what I, I guess i could answer this in one sentence i don't even need the paragraph there you go it is swamp gas or a glitch in the matrix excellent all right well that does it for this week's uh program thank you for staying with us late into the night slash morning and allowing us to probably mess up the wbsm computer so when you start hearing double commercials and uh you know engineers screaming and emailing angrily <laughs> yeah, that's probably why what are you gonna do yeah, well, we'll be back next week at our regular time of 10 p.m. Eastern to talk about the paranormal. We're going to try to get Richard Felix from Most Haunted on. I'm still waiting for confirmation, but everything's kind of set up with everybody except Richard himself. So uh, once he agrees, we'll be all set. 
And uh, we'll be here. We'll be taking your calls, talking to you again. And then the week after that, we're going to be on in prime time, I believe, because there's an 8 o'clock Red Sox game. But if you want to stay up to date, you want to find out when we're going to be on and who's going to be the guest, just join us on Twitter, twitter.com slash SC. As soon as we know, which sometimes is only about 10 minutes before the show, but as soon as we know, we make sure we put it up there so that you'll know. And uh, you can always check SpookySouthCoast.com as well all week long. And uh, one of the things that I want to start getting people more involved with is this chat room here uh, on Justin TV while we're on the air. So if you enjoy it, and I know we've got our regulars that are there each and every week, but uh, if you enjoy the program and you want to interact with people while it's on the air, I know a lot of people say they can't listen when it's live, but here's your chance. You don't get to hear us on BSM. You can hear us on the Internet, and this is a great place to do it. So jump on there, interact with the gang there, and uh, just basically enjoy the community that we're trying to put together with this show. It's not just about us talking on the radio and looking like stars because, let's face it, frankly, we're stars whether we're in front of the radio or not. That's right. Amen, brother. And when we walk down the street, people want to stop us and talk to us, usually to say things like, hey, can I borrow a quarter? Right. Do you or, know how to get to the bus stop? Yep. And, right. uh, hey, man, let me borrow your cell phone for a minute. i got to make a call. I'm out of minutes. I'll let you hold my phone while I use your phone. <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. All the time. Uh, you're not using my cell phone. All right. Right on. That'll do it for this week's show. So uh, just stay tuned to the website. We'll let you know when everything's happening. Jeff. Hey, good seeing you guys. Definitely come back. And uh, don't be a stranger for so long again. All right. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> Say it back to you. All right. So uh, for Matt, for Matt, for Jeff, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy. And what you have just heard was not yeah, fiction. That was, uh, Although in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernaturalist.